Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 21 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the books of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This is the third and fourth of the eight journal epistles. The author of these epistles is Peter, the disciple and apostle of Jesus Christ. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible Orthodox Version because the World English Bible is in the public domain. Let's get started. The book of 1 Peter has five chapters. The focus of this book is staying true to God in the midst of suffering caused from one's obedience to Christ. Peter identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter is writing to Christians who were living as foreigners in the dispersion. The areas he says that they have been dispersed to are Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter does not say where they were scattered from, but Christianity started in Jerusalem and spread from there. These Christians are called God's chosen ones. Peter says this about God choosing these Christians. One, God chose them by the foreknowledge of God the Father. God foreknew the plan of salvation and worked out the plan of salvation so that whoever is willing to be saved can be saved. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, that Jesus was delivered up by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, and that Jesus was crucified and killed. God chose these Christians in sanctification of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes sinners holy at conversion when they are born again. God chose them to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with Christ's blood. God's plan was for Jesus to die on the cross, be raised from the dead, and for Jesus' sacrifice to atone for the sins of those who believe in Jesus and accept his blood sacrifice. God's plan was for the Holy Spirit to make these believers holy and for these believers to live in obedience to Jesus Christ. Peter then blessed God the Father. Peter describes God as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter blesses God the Father for the following. One, Peter blesses God the Father for God's mercy. God's mercy was demonstrated when God caused us to be born again. God caused us to be born again to a living hope. This living hope is through the resurrection of Christ. Since God has raised Jesus from the dead, his resurrected life is our living hope. What is this hope that is made alive by Jesus Christ's resurrection? The hope is for a heavenly inheritance. What are the characteristics of this heavenly inheritance? This heavenly inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, and doesn't fade away. In other words, our heavenly inheritance will not grow old and spoil or deteriorate. It will last forever in pristine condition. How will Christians be able to stay true to God so they can participate in this heavenly inheritance? Christians will be able to stay true to God through God's power 
that guards them. Christians will be able to stay true to God through faith in God. Note that this inheritance is also referred to as the salvation that will be revealed in the last time. How does this hope of this coming salvation and heavenly inheritance impact God's people? This hope of the coming salvation and heavenly inheritance causes God's people to rejoice. This hope and this rejoicing persist despite various trials Christians must endure. What are the effects of Christians enduring these trials? One, these trials test and affirm the Christian's commitment to God. Just as companies uh, as a part of quality control test their products, so trials test the genuineness of a believer's faith in God. Secondly, when Christians endure trials and pass the test of obedience during suffering, the effect is that it will result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Christ returns, Christians will be praised for their obedience to Christ. Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, For whoever will be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man also will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. All the glory and honor belongs to God, but Jesus will not be ashamed of us if we have suffered for him. Christ will say to those who believe in him and stay true to Christ to the end, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Matthew 25, verse 34. Those who stay true to God to the end will hear these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. Thirdly, when Christians endure trials and pass the test of obedience through suffering and endure to the end, they will experience the salvation of their souls. What are the characteristics of this salvation? The prophets of the Old Testament searched diligently the details of this salvation. The prophets of the Old Testament, although not having as complete a picture as we have today because of the New Testament revelation that we have, they saw at least the following. The prophets predicted the sufferings of Christ. The prophets predicted the glories that would follow Christ's sufferings. This salvation has now been revealed through those who preach the good news by the Holy Spirit. Angels desire to look in on this salvation. How is the Christian to prepare for this heavenly hope? One, by, be, by preparing their minds for action. Two, by being sober. This involves not letting anything cloud your judgment, whether alcohol or undisciplined thinking. By fully setting their hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ at the second coming. Christians also prepare for this heavenly hope by obeying God, by being holy in their behavior, by living in reverent fear of God, by knowing we were redeemed by Christ's blood. Through Christ, one becomes a believer in God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead and gave Christ glory. 
God did this for Christ so that our faith and hope might be in God. Christians are to love other Christians fervently. Christians have been born again through the word of God. God's word lives and remains forever. Other things come and go, but God's word endures forever. God's word is the good news that had been preached to these believers. How are Christians to respond to God's word that abides forever? Christians are to respond to God's eternal word by putting off wickedness, deceit, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speaking. God's word should cause us to put off all sin out of our lives. Secondly, secondly, Christians are to respond to God's eternal word by craving God's word as a newborn baby craves milk. Thirdly, Christians should seek God's word so that they can grow as Christians. After comparing Christians to babies that long to grow through God's word, Peter then compares them to living stones of a temple building, being priests that offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Christ also is a living stone in this building. He is the chief cornerstone. Christ is chosen and precious. Those who believe in Christ, the living cornerstone, will not be disappointed. Those who reject Christ will stumble and fall. Those who reject Christ stumble because of their disobedience. Christians are further described as, one, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. What are Christians to do as God's chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, and as a people for God's own possession? God's people are chosen as priests and holy people belonging to God for the purpose to proclaim God's excellence who called them out of darkness into light. Christians are to proclaim God's excellence. God's excellence refers to God's goodness, God's characteristics worthy of praise, and to God's wonderful deeds and works. Christians are to demonstrate good behavior. Good behavior includes being examples of godly character. How are Christians examples of godly character? One, by abstaining from fleshly lust that wage against the soul. Two, by having good behavior. Three, by obeying the civil law. Why should we live this way? We are to live this way because, one, it's God's will, and two, by living a holy life and obeying the civil law, Christians put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That means those who want to speak bad of us must be silent because they cannot find fault in our good behavior. What are some other ways that Christians show good behavior? Uh, one, by honoring all men, by loving Christians, by fearing God, by honoring the king or those in authority, by servants being subject to their masters even when they are mistreated. Christians will be mistreated by others. Jesus was mistreated by others. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to 25, For it is commendable if someone endures pain, suffering unjustly because of conscience toward God. 
For what glory is it if when you sin you patiently endure beating? But if when you do well you patiently endure suffering, this is commendable with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. Who didn't sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was cursed, he didn't curse back. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. You were healed by his wounds. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That was 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to 25. Peter is saying to servants that they should endure suffering if their masters mistreat them. This is a message for all Christians. Peter points out the example of Christ. Some suffer bad consequences for some bad thing they have done. Peter is saying we should not do wrong because there is no glory in suffering for something you did wrong. Christians should be willing to suffer and be mistreated when they have done nothing wrong. Jesus left the example of leaving judgment to God the Father rather than taking vengeance. God the Father judges righteously. Evil doers will be punished. We should leave that for God to do. While God has committed judgment to God the Son, Jesus committed judgment to God the Father. The result that was when Jesus was cursed, he did not curse back. When others inflicted sufferings on Christ, he did not threaten them. We are to follow Christ's example. Peter exhorts Christians to honor all men, love Christians, fear God, honor the King. He exhorts the wives to submit to their husbands. Wives should honor God by submitting to their husbands. Christian wives should submit to their loving husbands, and Christian women married to non-Christian husbands should submit to their husbands. The husband might be won to Christ by the wife's submission to their husbands. The woman's behavior should be pure with fear or reverence. Women are not to limit their beauty to outward beauty, such as fixing their hair or the jewelry or clothing they wear. But the wives are also to adore themselves with purity, a gentle and quiet spirit, and they are to respect their husbands, just like Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him Lord. Such behavior shows that the women hope in God. A gentle and quiet spirit is precious in God's sight. Good behavior is shown when husbands honor their wives. How does the husband honor his wife? A man honors his wife when he lives with her according to knowledge. He needs to know her wants and desires and needs. He must give her honor as the weaker vessel. He must realize she is more fragile than men. He needs to see his wife as a joint heir of the grace of life. If a husband fails to do this, then his prayers will be hindered. How are Christians to treat other Christians? Christians are to be like-minded. How do they get a like mind? Christians should not become like-minded by compromise or on essential Christian doctrines, but by seeking the mind of Christ.
Christians are to be compassionate. They are to love one another. They are to be tender-hearted and courteous. They are not to repay evil um, and insults, but instead they are to treat uh, those who treat them bad um, by blessing them and by being good to them. We are to bless so we can inherit a blessing. Christians are to keep their tongue from evil and deceit. They are to turn from evil and do good. They are to seek and pursue peace. God hears the prayers of the righteous, but God opposes those who do evil. Christians must be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. They are not to fear what non-Christians fear. Christians need to be ready to give an answer to non-Christians when they ask us why we have such hope. This hope must be shared with humility and fear and with having a good conscience. Peter again points to Christ's example of suffering. Jesus suffered for our sins. Christ the righteous one died for the unrighteous. While Christ was dead, he preached to the spirits in prison. Noah's family was saved despite the flood when they were in the ship. This was a symbol of baptism, which now saves those who give the answer of a good conscience to God through Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God, and angels, authorities, and powers are made subject to Christ. Now for 1 Peter chapter 4. Since Christ has suffered, Christians should be willing to suffer. Christians are not to live for the lust of men before the will of God. Christians are not to live like uh, non-Christians live, who live in lewdness, lust, drunken binges, orgies, carousings, and idolatry. Those who live in sin will have to give an account to God. Christians are to live with the knowledge that the end is near. Realizing the nearness of the end, Christians are to, one, be of sound mind. This means to think straight, think of the things of God and what is right. It means practicing discernment by distinguishing between what is right and what is wrong. In light of Christ's return, we must be self-controlled. We, mean, we need to be sober in prayer. To be in sober in prayer involves two things. One, it involves removing distractions, and two, it, it means being focused in our prayers. Distractions can be external or internal. External distractions could be listening to the radio, listening to music, watching TV. Internal distractions can be things like worries, uh, plans, secular pursuits, evil thoughts, malice, other things. To be focused in our prayers, we should focus on God's will, God's word, the character of God that is taught in the Bible. Realizing the nearness of the end, Christians are also to be earnest in love to others. This means to be determined to love others. Also, Christians must be hospitable to one another without grumbling. They need to exercise the spiritual gift God has given them to serve one another. When we use our spiritual gifts, we are being good managers of the grace of God. Christians are to serve with the strength God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ belongs the glory and the dominion forever. How are Christians to react to suffering because of their faith in Christ? One, rejoice, because at Christ's coming we can rejoice with exceeding joy. 
to realize that you are blessed if you are insulted for the name of Christ. Three, don't be ashamed as a Christian if you are suffering for being a Christian. It is hard for the righteous to be saved. How much more will the ungodly and the sinner face judgment? Now for First Peter chapter 5. Peter next gives exhortations to elders. Elders were leaders of the church. Elders are shepherds. The Greek word for shepherd and pastor is the same word. Elders are to shepherd the church. Shepherding involves feeding people God's word and protecting them from evil and false teachings. Elders must be willing to do this voluntarily and not for dishonest gain. Elders are not to lord it over the flock, but be examples to the flock. The reward to elders for being good pastors or shepherds is that when Jesus, the chief shepherd, comes, then they will receive a crown of glory that won't fade away. The younger ones are to be subject to the elders. They are to be humble, and they are to humble themselves under God's mighty hand. We are to cast all our worries upon God because he cares for us. The Christian is to guard against the devil who walks around seeking whom he may eat. How do Christians guard against the devil? One, by being sober, being clear-minded, being focused on on serving God, by being self-controlled, by being watchful, by being steadfast in their faith. Realize that other Christians are suffering too. Peter then prays this prayer to the recipients of his letter. But may the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, verses 10 to 11. Peter evidently wrote this letter through Silvanus, a faithful Christian. Peter sends greetings to the recipients of the letter and ends with these words. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14. Now for 2 Peter. 2 Peter comes after 1 Peter. 2 Peter is three chapters long. The author of 2 Peter is Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a disciple and apostle of Jesus Christ. He introduces himself in the letter as a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. This letter is not addressed to any specific congregation. Rather, it is addressed to those who have obtained a like precious faith with us in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Faith in God is called a precious faith. The righteousness of Jesus Christ could be an objective genitive or a subjective genitive. An objective genitive would mean Jesus Christ is the source of our righteousness. A subjective genitive would refer to Christ's righteousness and not our righteousness. Typically, the term God is a title for God the Father, as we find in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. However, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, uh, Jesus is called our God and Savior. In 2 Peter 1-2, there is a reference to God the Father and Jesus our Lord. Peter points out some things 
that God's divine power has provided to believers in God. God's divine power provides to the believer life, godliness, great promises, the divine nature, freedom from the world's corruptions, and lust. First, God gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. God gives us spiritual life so we can have a relationship with him. God enables us to live godly lives. God has given us his promises, which are both great and precious. God gives us his divine nature. This does not make us divine, but his divine presence is in our lives and enables us to live holy lives. This holiness is seen in us escaping the corruption and lust of the world that opposes God. Christians are to be diligent to grow as Christians by adding the following to their faith in God. One, moral excellence, that is being morally good, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Peter says if these seven attributes and qualities are added to our faith in God and are abounding, then Christians will not be idle or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, the Christian will never stumble. Christians are to be more diligent to make their calling and election sure. This means that Christians are to grow as Christians to avoid falling away from God and losing their salvation. What happens if a Christian lacks these qualities? Well, that person is blind or short-sighted. They are not looking at the future goal of heaven, but only to this world. They are focused on the temporal instead of the eternal. That person has forgotten God's forgiveness of his past sins. Christians who are growing in these seven qualities have the hope of entering God's kingdom. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. Peter knows his death is near, and he wants these Christians to remember these things. Peter affirms that he personally witnessed Christ's majesty. This appears to be a reference to Jesus Christ's transformation on the Mount of Transformation. Peter says that Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 8, describes this event in more detail. Jesus went up in the mountain and took with him three of his apostles. These three were Peter, James, and John. Jesus changed before them, and Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as the light. Moses and Elijah appeared to him and was talking with Jesus. A bright light overshadowed them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Peter says that Christians, quote, have the more sure word of prophecy, end of quote. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. This would include the teaching of the New Testament and the heavenly witness that Jesus is God's Son in whom God is well pleased. What is the source of the prophecy that resulted in the Bible? The source is not man's will or interpretation, but it is the result of the Holy 
spirit moving on holy men. What is private interpretation? Private interpretation means one's own interpretation. The source of revelation is God, not man's thoughts or ideas. In contrast to the privacy that has its source in God, there are false prophets and false prophecies. Likewise, in Peter's day, there were false teachers. What are some characteristics of these false teachers? False teachers try to act secretly. False teachers bring in destructive heresies. False teachers deny the master who uh, bought them. False teachers have immoral ways. False teachers malign God's truth. This means they blaspheme and slander God's truth. And false false teachers have deceptive words. God will judge these false teachers. Peter supports his argument that God will judge false prophets by giving other examples of God's judgment. God has judged the following. Fallen angels, 2 Peter 2 verse 4, fallen angels will be punished in hell for eternity. The wicked destroyed in the flood in the days of Noah is another example of God's judgment, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. And Sodom and Gomorrah is another example of God's judgment, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 6. Further statements about false prophets are found in 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 12 to 22. Some or all of these may apply to false prophets. 1. False prophets are unreasoning creatures. False prophets speak evil about matters that they are ignorant of. False prophets destroy others and in turn destroy themselves. False prophets seek to profit financially from their false doctrines. False prophets revel in their deceit. False prophets have eyes full of adultery. False prophets cannot stop sinning. False prophets entice unsettled souls. False prophets are greedy. False prophets are children of cursing. False prophets promise much but give nothing of value. False prophets entice with the following. The lust of the flesh by licentiousness. They promise liberty, but they themselves are in bondage to corruption. False prophets include prior Christians who have backslidden and turned from God. It is better to never become a Christian than to become a Christian who backslides and turns away from God. That's what Peter is saying here. This can only mean one thing. Christians who backslide will go to hell unless they return to God. Peter says in 2 Peter 2, verses 20 to 21, For if after they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in it and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. If the teaching of once saved, always saved were true, Peter would not say here that people are better off never to have become Christians than to become a Christian and turn back. Clearly the teaching of once saved, always saved is a false doctrine if that doctrine teaches a Christian can continue in sinful, sinful living 
and still go to heaven. Of course, once saved, a Christian can stay true to God to the end by depending on the power of God and being focused on staying true to God and by God helping that person to do their best not to sin. Now for 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter exhorts the believers to remember the teaching of the Old Testament prophets and the teachings of the apostles of Jesus Christ. The teachings of the apostles of Jesus Christ are the New Testament. Peter warns that in the last days, people will mock that Jesus is coming again. They will use God's delay in Christ returning to um, earth to allege it will never happen. In fact, God's delay is an act of grace and kindness to the unbelievers to give them a chance to repent and come to God. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient with us, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Christ will come as a thief in the night to the wicked, it will be unexpected because they are not believing it will even occur. When Christ comes as a thief in the night, Peter says that the heavens and earth will melt away and there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. Since the world will be destroyed, then we should live holy and godly in this world. Christians should be found in peace and without defect and blameless in Jesus' sight. Christians should regard the patience of the Lord Jesus as salvation. Peter says Paul also teaches this, and Peter asserts that the writings of Paul are scripture, and people pervert the teachings of Paul and other scriptures. Christians need to be aware that some twist and misinterpret the Bible, and be careful not to be drawn away with their errors. Christians need to be alert that they will not fall away from their own steadfastness. Christians are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. Peter ends this epistle saying that to Jesus Christ is the glory both now and forever. Amen. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 18. So the first 22 books of the New Testament in order are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, and 2 Peter. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at upwardjourneybiblestudy.com where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. I encourage you to pray that God will work in the lives of those who hear his word and that people will turn from their sins and become disciples of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to pray that Christians will grow to become better disciples of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to pray that God's God will work through this podcast ministry to bring others to Christ and to strengthen and establish Christians. Bye for now.